This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart, and this is the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. Let's start with uh, the latest from the Bank of England Governor, Andrew Bailey, who has perhaps offered a glimmer of light for mortgage pairs today as he's indicated that interest rates are quote-unquote nearer the top and said that it was no longer clear that the base rate needed to keep rising. So how did markets respond to those comments? Well, on the one hand, the pound is off around half a percent and it was actually a little lower earlier on against the US dollar. So that suggests that they've taken that a little bit dovish. I mean, if you take the comments in in totality, what he's effectively saying is interest rate decisions are not guaranteed anymore. It is meeting by meeting. It's data dependent. Um, there's not necessarily a need for more rate hikes, although I'm sure most people agree there's going to be at least one. And that there is still going to be a significant lag effect, that there has been progress on inflation. So the, the the tones to come from Bailey were positive, but as we've seen, they've been positive before and they've kept raising interest rates because the data just hasn't continued to support that. Like I said, the pound's off around half a percent at this point of uh, the point of recording, but I mean, interest rate expectations haven't really changed. Markets are still pricing in two more rate hikes uh, this year, so that hasn't really changed. Personally, I'm of the view that we'll probably see one uh, I do think we are seeing some signs. I, I think Bailey noted that we may see a slight uptick uh, with the next report, but broadly speaking, we should see significant declines between now and the end of the year. So that slight uptick may justify the next rate hike, and after that, we'll see how the inflation data and the other data does too. Labour market, we are seeing some signs of slack reappearing. We are seeing unemployment creeping higher. I think the other most interesting thing that came from this uh, discussion was the comment on wages because wages has been a hot topic and a lot of people have reacted with fury because the way Bailey and some of his colleagues talk is not always clear in terms of what they're trying to say speaking in an ideological world if everyone accepted two percent wage growth every year throughout this then inflation would come back to target quicker Um, the concern is that when you get a wage price spiral that over time if wages stay high then inflation stays high um, but I think the interesting thing that's come from this from what he's saying is that wages will be the last thing to fall. So even if in a world where inflation is coming back to target but not a target, if wages are still high, that's not the end of the world. That's not going to make them keep raising interest rates because as long as they believe that wages are going to come down and they will come down because if inflation's back at 3 or 4%, it's unlikely that wages will be at 8 and if uh, and if inflation um, is declining, then uh, and the labour market is weakening, then that removes the bargaining power. But wages will ultimately be the last to fall. Wages haven't caused inflation so far, but if wages say uh, seven, eight, nine, ten percent, then it will stop inflation hitting target. So it shows that they're relaxed about wages, is what I'm saying at this point in time. They're not concerned that wages are high. They're not concerned that wages spiked last month like some people were. And in their eyes, when you look at the totality of the data, they are still feeling quite optimistic up to the point that the tightening cycle may not be over, but it may be over or close to over. And he believes that the slowdown in inflation, uh, you mentioned there might be an uptick in August because of uh, fuel prices going down last year, but the uh, slowdown in inflation will be 
further quite marked by the end of this year, which might be good news for the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, who of course famously made that promise of halving inflation by the end of the year. So politically speaking, that might be very important. I want to switch to the Bank of Canada, which held its benchmark rate steady at 5% today amid signs that the Canadian economy is slowing. But they have left the door open to further hikes if inflationary pressures persist. Yeah, they're not entirely relaxed. I mean, this kind of reminds me a little bit of the RBA yesterday, to be quite honest. What they're effectively saying is there's plenty of reason to pause now. There is a lag effect still to take place. But in the the case of the Bank of Canada, they're saying that basically inflation's fallen, but it's not fallen that much recently. And that is a concern. They don't want inflation to become ingrained. They're not seeing an enormous amount of progress in some of the other economic indicators as well. They appreciate there's a lag effect, which is why they're holding for now. But if they see further signs that we are seeing sustained above-target inflation, then they will or may have to raise interest rates again. It's not something that's necessarily expected. It kind of rings with the RBA yesterday, effectively, because the RBA was saying, again, we're on hold, things are heading in the right direction, but they are concerned. They are concerned that they're seeing more persistent services price inflation elsewhere, and that's something that they could start seeing in Australia as well. That while they're seeing falling inflation, they are also seeing a strong labour market uh, and the economy also is resilient. So they're happy to wait for now, but they're by no means closing the door on the tightening cycle at this stage. They're not, there's no central banks declaring victory at this point in time. And what they're effectively saying is if they're not declaring victory, then rate cuts are not even on the horizon, let alone being considered at this point. What's going to be fascinating is that crossover point between affecting the economy to the point where uh, some could slide into recession because rates are too high and where inflation really starts to fall, uh, which we've seen in some countries more than in others. Here in the UK, inflation uh, more sticky and persistent Uh, the rest of the world not quite so much it kind of depends where you are i guess i mean the uk does seem to be having a greater problem than the rest but i guess by the time we get to december that picture may look more consistent with what we're seeing in other countries but even within the euro area you're seeing different tales you're seeing different stories you're looking the case of germany versus the case of spain for example spain is seemingly got inflation back down to a much more reasonable level uh uh but, uh, compared to Germany, uh, but they have one central bank and that central bank has to make the decisions for the entire block. Everyone has their own issues, their own problems, and um, they're fighting fires in the way that they see best fit. And I think, like I say, come the turn of the year, I think things will start to look a lot better. The difficulty that we now have is we need to see evidence that inflation is going to return to target or even below target over the medium term. Not necessarily now. I think by the time central banks start cutting interest rates, there's every chance that inflation in many countries is still above target, but their projections over two years is for inflation to then fall below target, and that's what they then start need to address, especially if the economy is suffering. I also think in a similar vein to what we've talked about before, we're not going to see a very... Um, uh, we're not going to get much of a warning on that front, I don't think. I think we are going to see quite a, sh- a sudden pivot on that. 
say central banks start cutting interest rates in the middle of next year, it could easily be March, April time before they even uh, have the discussion or at least have the discussion publicly that that is something that's being considered. I do think that's going to be late in the day because the last thing they want to do is get this wrong. Of course, one of the problems uh, going forward in terms of keeping to those inflation targets is oil prices, which rose yesterday above $90 a barrel for the first time this year. That after Saudi Arabia and Russia said they'd extend their voluntary production and export cuts until the end of the year. Uh, Both Russia and Saudi Arabia keen to keep prices uh, high, really, aren't they? But this move uh, threatens to reignite inflation concerns globally just when we're starting to make progress. Yes, it does. Um, I mean, we're still nowhere near levels that we were at last year when people were very concerned about oil prices, when oil prices kind of went to, what, Um, $120, we We're at very different levels at this point in time. I think Saudi Arabia has always wanted to get it to the kind of $80 to $90 level. Uh, I think $80 is widely viewed as the break-even level for Saudi Arabia. So that's what, that's been their target for quite a long time. Uh, they were having no success at getting it there early on. All of the OPEC Plus cuts were relatively ineffective at delivering $80 to, do- 80 to $90 a barrel. It's stabilised it at times. But actually, it's the unilateral efforts of Saudi Arabia and then Russia that's managed to get it over the line. Like the tight market has been created and then it's been squeezed uh, by the voluntary cuts and you can see that they are very focused on price because they're doing it about basically one month at a time now they've committed to the end of the year so saudi arabia has extended its production one million barrel a day cut to the end of the year and we probably will have a much better idea of how the economy is facing and how it's faring with these very high levels of interest rates and whether that needs to be extended further again or whether demand's going to be stronger and they can remove them but that one million barrels a day from saudi arabia three hundred thousand barrel a day export uh, pause from Russia is clearly what's tipping this market over the edge. Um, whether we see oil prices hit $100 a barrel is obviously going to be a hot topic of debate right now, but I think it's going to depend a lot more on the state of the global economy and how, like say, they deal with high interest rates and it is going to be about supply because I don't think we're going to see any further supply side cuts anytime soon. Also, China is the is the other one, right? Because, I mean, we've seen a very sluggish recovery to this point. We've seen very few signs that we're going to see a strong uh, fiscal impulse in China. We've seen recent efforts in terms of trying to prop up the property market and a few other areas as well, some more targeted measures on top of that. But that's not really giving people enormous amount of faith that that's going to deliver. They could maybe deliver the 5% growth target that they wanted at the start of the year, but whereas at the start of the year that looked like uh, an easy target to achieve, now it looks like a far more realistic and plausible option, one that they're going to have to work very hard to get to. Okay, Craig Earlham in London, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.